Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Get that open to Luke chapter 12. Uh, while you're doing that, so I, I grew up in the Baptist church, um, which I'm thankful for. It's awesome. It was great. Uh, and I remember when I was probably nine or 10 years old, this is 1999 or 2000. Yeah, I know I'm young or whatever. Or, or maybe to some of you, I'm like way old. Uh, but anyways, whatever. Uh, 1999, 2000 in the Baptist church and they had this revival. Um, and I, I just, all I remember about this, this revival, they brought in this young guy. He was like 25, 30 years old. At least uh, that's my nine-year-old perception of age, right? Uh, and he's and he's preaching this gospel message and he's saying, hey, if you wanna go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus into your heart, otherwise you're gonna burn in hell and eternal torment forever. And, and so as a, as a, as a reasonable uh, nine-year-old kid, I, I, I quietly got up from my seat at the little wooden pew there and found the most quiet and secluded place I could in the entire church, which just happened to be a bathroom stall in the men's restroom, all right? And I prayed Jesus into my heart in that, uh, in that place. Because whatever heaven was had to be better than these eternal flames of torment, you see, I didn't wanna burn in hell. I remember in the years following, asking this question of what is heaven? What is this eternal kingdom of God? What is this inheritance that I have in Christ? Like, what did Jesus purchase for me on that cross? Obviously, I did not want to burn in hell forever, but if I'm being completely honest, like the other option that was being described to me didn't sound that much better. I remember hearing all kinds of nonsense about this, this eternal glory that we were gonna uh, uh, go into after this life, right? I remember hearing, we're gonna become angels, right? Like, go get them angel wings, bro. I heard, I heard we were gonna be singing songs 24-7. Like, listen, I, I love to worship, but nine-year-old Justin is thinking, man, uh, eternal flames of torment or sing 24-7 with no end? Like, that'll break a Disney princess. <laughs> I heard that there are streets of gold and walls of jewels. I heard that there was these rolling green hills and this, this amazing spectacular ocean, but, you, but that you won't care about any of that because you're gonna be on your face, prostrate before the throne of God. Surely there will be moments of worship and surely there will be moments where we're on our face, but... I'm being completely honest, as a young Christian, heaven sounded a lot more like hell than it did paradise. And so I determined at 14, 15 years old that if those were my two options, singing songs for eternity or burning in hell for eternity, then I, I gotta get everything I can out of this life. 
right? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get everything I can. I, I gotta wring this life dry because this life is somehow better than what I have coming. So, so here's what I wanna do this morning. I, I, wanna, I wanna lay before you a biblical doctrine of eternity. I wanna lay before you a biblical doctrine of eternity because I've come to recognize in the 20 plus years as a Christian that somehow we've lost the splendor and the majesty of eternity. Somehow we've managed to convince ourselves that this world is better than whatever we have coming. And so I just, wanna, I just wanna lay before you a biblical doctrine of eternity. I wanna recapture the glory and the splendor and the beauty and the majesty and the excitement of our inheritance in the kingdom of God. I want us to know and believe with all of our hearts that we're not losing anything, that we're gaining everything. I want to remind us this morning that the kingdom of God is not just sitting on a cloud playing a harp somewhere out in the ether, but it's paradise in every sense of the word. I want to remind us that our inheritance is a future hope and a present reality. I want to remind us this morning that Jesus did not die on that cross that we could float off somewhere to a mere one-dimensional existence, but to give us the kingdom as fellow heirs. And then with that inheritance in mind, with that kingdom mindset in view, I wanna invite us to live that out practically. Because what you believe is gonna happen when you die will directly affect how you live right here and right now on this earth. It's gonna determine what you do with your time. It'll determine what you do with your possessions. And so I wanna, I wanna take that eternal mindset and I just wanna invite us to live as kingdom people. I wanna invite you to live out king, the kingdom culture of radical generosity. And so with all that in mind, with your Bibles open, Luke chapter 12, let's go ahead and read our passage here this morning. Starting in verse 32, Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father in heaven, God, we are thankful for your grace, God, for your mercy for your faithfulness to us, God. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you have an amazing inheritance for us. I just pray this morning that your word uh, would speak to all of our hearts, mine included. You give me clear thoughts, articulate words for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first thing that Jesus wants us to know out of this passage is this. We have an amazing inheritance in the kingdom of God. 
We have an amazing inheritance in the kingdom of God. He says, fear not, you valuable people. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have an amazing inheritance in the kingdom of God. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, because of the gospel, because of the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ to the throne, like we have an amazing inheritance. It's our Father's good pleasure to give it to us. Now, I have to ask the question, what is this eternal kingdom that we are inheriting? You see, this idea of, uh, of an, an eternal kingdom inheritance has two parts to it. It's got an already or right now part, and it's got a not yet or a future part. And so we live in this kingdom of God. We live in this inheritance between this already but not yet reality. And so what I wanna do is I wanna unpack these two ideas. What is it, what, what have we already received as believers in Christ and what do we have to look forward to? See, our present kingdom inheritance, what we have right now is redemption in Jesus Christ through the gospel. We have redemption in Jesus Christ through the gospel. We have forgiveness of sins. We're adopted into the family of God. We are new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. It's, uh, this means that we are new creations in, in Christ. Our, our, our hearts and our minds are restored, fulfilling uh, what, what God says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is our right now inheritance. This is what we have. And so redemption is a huge aspect of our inheritance in the kingdom of God, but it's not just that. It's also the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is part of our inheritance in the kingdom of God. By receiving the Holy Spirit, we're given just a glimpse of what we will have in eternity. Ephesians 1 tells us, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit is a right now kingdom uh, inheritance that we have as believers. And finally, he gives us the church. The church is a present and physical manifestation of the future and eternal kingdom of God. See, as the church here on earth grows, so does the eternal kingdom. Our work here on earth matters. It has eternal impact. The Apostle John writes in Revelation 7, 9, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, and from every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Our inheritance begins now. Kingdom riches include earthly relationships that will become eternal family. 
we've already received the kingdom in the forms of redemption, the Holy Spirit and the church. But there's also a future kingdom aspect that we need to be reminded of. You see, our future kingdom inheritance looks like a new and restored creation. It looks like a new and restored creation. The apostle John writes in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the, the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I don't, I don't think that as, as, I don't think a majority of us really grasp this idea of new creation, restored creation. Right? I just don't think we can, we can fathom it. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. That word paradise, that, that carries with it this idea of Genesis 1 and 2, where Adam and Eve were walking with God in the Garden of Eden. It's creation, perfection, every good thing as God originally intended. This is what we have to look forward to. Like, like, Imagine rolling green hills and clear blue oceans and majestic snow-capped mountains. Imagine creation without earthquakes and tornadoes and wildfires and hurricanes. Imagine plants and trees that produce their fruit and season with little to no effort from us. Creation as God originally intended. Not only that, but we as God's people will finally steward the creation the way that we were meant to, with love, care, and respect. And that means no toxins dumped into our oceans, lakes, and rivers. That means no forests thinned to, 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 to where they're barely there. That means animals not driven out of their habitats. That means mountains not leveled for the sake of asphalt and skyscrapers. Creation, perfection as God originally intended, the people of God will have dominion over creation with love, care, and respect. It's our, God, it's our Father's good pleasure to give that to us. We have a future new and restored creation to look forward to, but we also have unhindered intimacy with God and others. In the kingdom of God, we have unhindered intimacy with God and others. Revelation 21, John goes on. Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. As we dwell in God's restored creation with all the beauty and splendor that's there, we will also have unhindered intimacy with God. Our connection will be deeper, our understanding fuller, our unity will be complete. This means no more broken friendships marred by petty disagreements. This means no hearts that just, just break relationships because they got offended about something. This means no shattered marriages. No more racial injustice and animosity. No more cultural breakdowns. No more distant fathers. No more estranged children. This is the kingdom. and It's your father's good pleasure to give it to you. 
there'll be complete peace, complete unity, complete oneness across the board, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, worshiping together in perfect harmony. And the only way for this to be a reality is if our inheritance also includes perfection. At some point, we will cross over from the already into the not yet, and the not yet will become reality. That future kingdom that we're talking about will become reality. And when that happens, the gospel will be fully realized and we will be perfect and sinless as God originally intended us to be. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that, right? Like I'm looking forward to a time when, when, when my heart isn't you know, black with sin, right? Like where, 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 where I know that, that, that suffering's not gonna happen, right? I'm looking for the day when there's no more broken relationships. I'm looking for the day when death doesn't loom over me and my family members. Where fear and anxiety and anger don't rob us of joy and hope. Guys, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love how the apostle goes on to describe uh, this perfection in verse four of Revelation 21. He says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. No more sin marred bodies, no more disease, no more disability, no more death. God will put an end to suffering once and for all. No more sin, no more sin. Our thinking, our desires, and our emotions will be restored back to their original intent. We will fully worship God without the indwelling presence of sin in our hearts. Our thoughts will be true and pure. Our emotions will be under control. Our desires will be to please the Lord in all things. Guys, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Like that's your inheritance. Purchased for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. That should determine how you live every single day. It should determine how you spend your time. It should determine how you use your resources. Because we have an amazing inheritance in the kingdom of God, that means that we're invited into a culture of biblical generosity. Because we've literally gained everything, right? Like we're gaining everything. We've, we're losing nothing. We're, we're being invited in to, a, to, 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 to just partake in this culture of biblical generosity. See, when we recognize that we're literally in the process of gaining everything, like our death grip on our stuff, our death grip on this life will begin to loosen and the flower of biblical generosity will begin to unfold. Our perception begins to shift from my 13-year-old perception of take as much as I can out of this life because the next one sucks to, hey, Give all I can to the kingdom because it's amazing. So here's, here's what I want to do with the rest of our time here together this morning. I want, I want to define for you 
a culture of biblical generosity. I wanna share what we're doing right here in this church. And then I just wanna leave you with an invitation, all right? So, so what is biblical generosity? For the purpose of the sermon today and the text that we are in, I'm defining biblical generosity this way. Biblical generosity is giving financial or material assets to another person or to the body of Christ for the purpose of advancing the kingdom and showing God's love, grace, and provision. Jesus says in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. He's calling to us to biblical generosity. Again, giving financial or material assets to another person or to the body of Christ for the purpose of advancing the kingdom and showing God's love, grace, and provision. We see this culture all throughout early church history We see Christians giving financially and materially to the vision and mission of the church, and in that, showing God's love, grace, and provision. So turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And if you don't know where that's at, the text's gonna be up on the screen, so don't worry about it. Uh, I just want you to see it with your own eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter eight. The Apostle Paul writes this, about the Macedonians. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Get this, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that he, as he had started that he should complete among you this act of grace, this generosity. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, your, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, this act of generosity. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago, he's talking about the Corinthians, who a year ago started not only to give, but also to desire to give. So now finish this work as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness, if the desire is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. He's saying don't give to the point where you're breaking yourself. 
but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance should supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. We see here in this passage, men and women living out this teaching in Luke 12, people literally selling the things that they have giving to the church, which in turn is taking care of the needy. Nobody's going hungry. Nobody's lacking any, anything. Guys, this is a culture of biblical generosity. Let, let, me, let me share you a more recent example of cultural of this culture of biblical generosity. And this involves you guys. Uh, and I got this story from Pastor Joe because I was not here at the time. But back in uh, 2016, the Reese Center was operating out of an 1,800 square foot uh, building and it was a rapidly outgrowing capacity. Uh, and so we needed a bigger space uh, and the building across the street where the recenter is at now is for sale, $450,000. And so Joe and, and, and the other pastors were able to get that number down to 400,000, put a $100,000 down payment on that building, which meant that they needed to raise 300,000 in nine months. And so they immediately started a, a building campaign. And in six months, we, we had raised $100,000, uh, which means that we were 200,000 shy of that number. Uh, and so as Joe would put it, he said, man, we just started to pray. Uh, and immediately somebody in Phoenix, one of our uh, members here donated to us a house in Phoenix which we were able to uh, flip and sell for just under 200,000, paying off that building. Guys, that's radical generosity. Now here's what's even more wild about that. Right after that, the school kicks us out of the auditorium and into this building when we needed another $250,000 to remodel this place. Uh, and you guys rose to the occasion. We raised $250,000 so that we could worship together in this place that you see right now and make it easier for people to know Jesus. Guys, that's a culture of biblical generosity. We had generous members, you guys, giving close to 100 grand in six months We had a generous donor literally living out this teaching here by giving us a house. And then we were able to raise 250 so that we could worship here every single Sunday. And guess what? We're not done. Like as a church, we're not done. We will not stop taking ground. We will not stop advancing God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. Like we're not just running the race. Like we're running to win. We're not just pushing the enemy back. Like we're shaking the gates of hell, man. We're, we, we are not backing down. We will not stop. We will not back down. We will not give up and we will not quit until this, this kingdom is ushered right here on this mountain, right? Like that's where we're going. So our goal over the next 10 years, here's what we wanna do. We wanna plant churches. We wanna, we wanna plant churches. We want to see churches in, in, in Heber and, and, and Snowflake and Springerville and, and, and St. John's. 
We want to plant churches. We, we want to launch a biblical counseling ministry so that the people in our community can come to the church where they can find true hope and help for life's biggest struggles. We want to uh, launch a school of discipleship so that every member of our church can be trained and equipped for kingdom impact. We wanna equip our talented worship team to write and produce God-honoring, God-glorifying songs. We wanna eventually, we're praying that God would allow us to one day own our own campus so that we could continue to move unhindered as we advance God's kingdom. All of this comes out of our vision and mission to make it easier for people to know Jesus and lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ with the hope of establishing a Jesus culture right here in the White Mountains. Listen, all of this requires sacrifice. It requires all of us, the church, to engage in a culture of biblical generosity it requires us to look at Jesus's teaching here in Luke 12, 33 and say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna engage in this kingdom work. I'm gonna engage in this kingdom culture. I'm gonna trust in that amazing inheritance waiting for me on the other side where God's literally giving me everything. I'm gonna trust in, in that. And then with, with my time and my resources here, I'm gonna advance the kingdom so that other people could have that inheritance. And so here's, here's the invitation. Uh, we wanna invite you to partner with us. We wanna invite you into this culture of biblical generosity to invest your treasure in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so I just wanna talk to those of you in the room who are believers, you've given your life to Jesus. If, if that's not you, I, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm just talking to those of you in the room who have put your hope in Jesus, who, uh, who, 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 who claim the name of Christ. I wanna invite you to partner with us as we build and live out this culture of biblical generosity. And so I wanna invite you to give. I wanted to invite you to give according to your means. Just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Even though the Macedonians were experiencing extreme poverty, they gave according to their means. And listen, guys, they funded the gospel through, through Asia. It wasn't the rich Romans. It wasn't the rich Corinthians. It was the Macedonians that funded the advancement of God throughout Asia. They simply gave according to what they had, what they could spare. So what does this look like for you? What can you give? Start there. Is it 1%? Is it half a percent? Give that, start somewhere. And if you don't know where to start, We've got a financial peace class coming up, I think on April 29th. Make that a priority. Make that a priority. Give according to your means. Those of you who are already giving, I wanna, I wanna invite you to give above and beyond. 
It was King David that said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. So if you're here today and you already give regularly, I wanna encourage you to give above and beyond. What would it look like for you to sacrifice something for the advancement of the kingdom so that you could gain everything? Maybe you're saving for that TV. Are you saving for that boat or that vacation? What would it look like to temporarily put that thing on, on pause so that you could advance the kingdom of God right here, right now? Jesus literally gave up everything so that we could become eternally rich. He gave up his life so that we would no longer live for ourselves. What would it look like for us to give up some of our abundance so that the kingdom could advance even further. And listen, I, I, let, me just, let me just say this. I, I would never stand up here on this stage and ask you to do something that I don't already do. I, I would never stand up here on this stage and ask you to do something that I don't already do. As a matter of fact, the pastors and staff of this church lead the way in giving according to their means and above their means. As a matter of fact, the pastors at this church, and, and, and I can't even boast about this because I'm like one of the newest pastors here, but the pastors at this church are approaching close to a million dollars given to this church. Just because we might make a paycheck from this church doesn't mean that we don't already give according to our means and above our means. And so we're not asking you to do something that we're not already doing. We're just inviting you to join us. It's just an invitation. For those of you who are in the room who have not made the decision to follow Jesus, the only thing I'm asking you to give is your heart. The only thing I'm asking you to give is your heart. Give your heart and your life to Jesus. There's an, there is an inheritance waiting for you. Rolling green hills, like eternal life, unhindered intimacy with God and others waiting for you. I just want you to give your heart to Jesus. And so if you wanna do that here today, we're gonna have people underneath both of these screens who would love to have that conversation with you. We'd love to pray with you. For all of us, my encouragement to you this week is to read 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15 every day this week and just pray into it. Pray into it and see what God would have for you. We have an amazing inheritance in the kingdom of God. So let's be generous with everything else. Amen? Amen.